DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Riley, good morning. Good morning, dudes. Riley, I don't know if you know this, but you're joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. I did know that, and uh, you do a great job. You do a great job of highlighting the Sprint, the Sprint hotline. All right, Riley, it's BYU and it's USC, and USC's quarterback just looked off the charts. How do you slow down a quarterback who looked that good? Well, uh, you know, it's interesting because there, there, there is some part to this that you know there wasn't a lot of film on this guy you don't you don't really know how to take away some of the things that he does well and now that you have film there's there's a little bit of an opportunity but there was just so many good things from him I I was watching that game and I was like who is this guy like I I'm googling him I'm trying to figure out like where does this guy come from you know he wasn't a huge recruit part of the reason he wasn't a huge recruit is because he wasn't on a great team but I'm telling you, this guy, he has an it factor. And I think both for BYU and Utah, like I, I think you have to be a little bit disappointed that this guy might even be better than, than the first quarterback that got hurt. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. But if you want to slow down this quarterback, I think there's two things that you try to do as a defense coordinator. One, you try and take away his first read. And two, you try and give him the – to move the spot that he's throwing from, meaning if I've got a three-step drop or if I've got a three-step drop and a hitch, you want him to at least have to move off of that before he throws the ball because accuracy seems to go down quite a bit, even if you don't get a sack, if a quarterback doesn't get the throw in rhythm. And so I think those are going to be two keys to the game this Saturday for sure. So do you think that the number one uh, desire or choice or option for the Cougars should they get pressure on this kid no matter what and whatever it takes even if you give up some vulnerability in the back end I I kind of don't think that okay. I, I mean it, it's interesting because you, there's two ways to attack a young quarterback there's one where you, you want to make a guy be patient you want to make a guy really just take what they give take take what they give you, meaning you take away the deep options, you maybe drop some different guys into some different looks, and then um, make him just take the short throw and be really patient all game. Because after the game that he had last game, uh, there wasn't a lot that was taken away. And so he's probably looking he's probably looking forward to playing in this game and like, yeah, this can be the way it is, man. I'm, I'm going to stand in there. I'm going to throw digs. I'm going to throw outs. I'm going to throw nice – seam routes and we're going to win this game but if you can just take him out of the mindset that he was already in in some way and that that could include some pressures but mixing it up maybe maybe go on a three-man rush and drop eight guys and really make it difficult for him to just be able to throw it um but you got to make him uncomfortable because man i i haven't seen a guy in his first real start look as comfortable as he did um just the other night against stanford you know, the risk with bringing uh, extra bodies is you're going to leave guys one-on-one with a bunch of 6'3", six, 6'4", six, receivers. They just seem to have no end. I mean, at the top end, they've got, you know, probably at least three NFL guys, maybe more than that. But 
all the young guys are bringing in look like nightmare matchups too. And you've talked about throwing to an NFL receiver and how much better it made you as a quarterback. So I nope, get that nope. you want to pressure him, but man, leaving a bunch of leaving a bunch of defensive backs one on one with six four future NFL draft picks sounds like a pretty dangerous idea. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I look, there's always going to be a certain time that you need to bring pressure and you need to bring extra guys, but. Every defensive coordinator, if he had his druthers, would love it if he can bring pressure on the quarterback with his front four and not have to blitz guys because then you get coverage. Then you, then you have your, your four guys rushing the quarterback and you don't have to worry about it. But like you said, when, when you have NFL-type receivers that you're throwing to, well, I mean, one of the things that was so great when I was playing with Kevin Curtis is that all of a sudden you become more accurate because – you know he's going to catch even the bad ball. And so there's no pressure to be perfect. There's no pressure to, like, you know, there's some receivers that you throw to that if you don't put it right on his face mask, that guy's not going to catch the ball. That guy's extremely hard to be accurate with. When you have a guy like Kevin Curtis, who you know is just going to make all kinds of efforts to catch the ball, and his catching radius is ridiculous, all of a sudden you start putting it on his face mask all the time, and football becomes really easy. And so with these receivers at USC – uh, like you said, they're six three, they're six four. They can run. They have huge catching radius. All of a sudden, it's really fun to play quarterback because you don't have to be perfect, and because you don't have to be perfect, all of a sudden you start throwing more accurately. Yeah, I understand that concept certainly. Uh, I mean, I and mean, this is so so minor, but I played baseball with a kid they had at first base who who had stone hands. And if you didn't put it right. right on the numbers, he wasn't going to catch it. And then they replaced him with a guy who was like Gumby. I mean, he could stretch his body right. every which way and make every throw you threw over there. And consequently, all your throws were right on the number. I mean, it, I it, it was it was a phenomenal changeover. The better the player at the other end, the better the throw was on my end. Yeah, and it and it can work and it can work the other way too. I mean. When a, when a quarterback's really good, he can make receivers look good too. And so, but it, it, there really is a psychological feel to the fact when you when you're playing around great players, um, the fact that you don't have to put it right where you need to, just like you're talking about throwing to your first baseman and not having to worry if you throw a one hopper, he's gonna he's gonna scoop it up for you. All of a sudden, you just start throwing better because your worry is not like, is this guy going to catch it? Your worry is, am I going to get it over there quick enough? Am I going to put it, am I going to put it in the right window for him to catch it? And I, I just think that's a big thing this week. I also thought, I mean, we've always known that USC is just stacked with talent, but I thought their run game, I thought their court, I, I thought their offensive line was better than what I thought they were going to be. And it's really hard for me to think because, when I was watching the Fresno game, I was like, ah, USC, here they, here they go again. Could it really be that just one player, like one quarterback, makes that big of a change and that big of a difference? Maybe, because that looked like a completely different team against Stanford to me. So I'm curious here, and this, you know, I, I, I kind of shoot down my own theory right away because they were down 17-3 and they fought back and got off the deck. But – the offense was struggling, but I didn't think the quarterback necessarily was. And in the Tennessee game, I thought BYU was struggling a little bit defending Tennessee's pass. I thought Tennessee's passing game was effective through the first half. It wasn't great, but it was, it was good. And then 
BYU gets the pick early in the third quarter. And not only did they get the short field and the touchdown to make it a 13-10 game, but I thought going forward, the passing game became really tentative and really pretty ineffective. And BYU pretty made them one-dimensional. And I wonder how much that was just mentally they got that pick, and then you're thinking, be careful. And the Tennessee passing game wasn't what it was in the first half. If they get an early sack, if they get an early pick, how much easier does that make it for BYU going forward in the game? Well, I think it would make it easier against a team like Tennessee where they don't have a ton of confidence in their quarterback. But, right. I mean, you could see from the coaching staff all the way down to the to – the, to, to the lowest player on the team at USC that they have confidence in this quarterback. Now, is he going to throw picks? Yes. Is it, are, are you going to get a sack? Yes. I, I think those two things will happen in this game, but I don't think it'll have the same effect because I, I totally agree with you. I mean, that, that interception by Kavika uh, Fanua was, first of all, he had a tip in the first half that they lucked out and got a touchdown. And sometimes that becomes fool's gold for you as a quarterback. You're like, well, it wasn't a pick, and I threw a touchdown, and I'm feeling good. They threw better in the first half. But, but after that interception, I totally agree with you. It, it was like they were scared to death to throw the ball. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were so nervous. And, I, and I'm, I think you're right. I think they became completely one-dimensional. And, I, you know, going into once, – once BYU made it into overtime, I was like, this game's over because they, they can't throw. They can't throw, and then there was a couple of bad play calls by Tennessee. Okay, you know, and you got to give credit. You know, the one thing that I like about the the game is oftentimes, you you know, I can't remember exactly how many seconds before that last that last throw to Micah Simon. I know it ended at like seven, but you know, you're talking about twenty seconds. You got to go like eighty yards to score. A lot of times, it's really easy to just cash it in as a team. And it's one thing for Micah Simon to get open the way he was. It's another thing for the quarterback to actually see it within his progression and the reads. I mean, that was a, that was a big play. And I do feel like that's going to build some confidence for the BYU offense this Saturday. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be a very, very close game um, for about three quarters. And then I think at the end, I think you're just going to see that USC has too much firepower. Well, going forward, and then that very well may be the case, you know, but uh, BYU would then have, uh, what, nine games to go. Uh, and it looks like Zach Wilson, you look at him, difference between game one and game two where there were no pick sixes, and it kept BYU in the game, and they were in striking distance, and then they make the play at the end, tie it, and win it, obviously. Is that going to be the key for him is to avoid the turnover going forward? Yeah, I, I mean, I, when, I, when I look at the difference between game one and game two, uh, the game plan was a little bit more simplified for him, which I think was a good idea when you're going against a P5 conference team. There's just a lot of speed and a lot of moving parts. And I I also thought that Utah did a better job of moving him off of his spot than Tennessee did. And when when, when Zach can get in the flow and when he can get into a rhythm, he's, he's really tough. And so, to me, getting a couple of screen passes, a couple of short passes early in the game, against USC, against Washington for the rest of the year, when he gets into that rhythm, he's a really, really good quarterback. And the other thing that I thought was impressive was after a game where you throw two pick sixes that you come and you play a solid, you played a solid game at Tennessee. I mean, none of these stats that he's putting up right now, are he's not totally happy with it. He's not going, oh, geez, man, I'm lighting up these teams. I'm playing really good. But – 
he's starting to understand how important it is at the quarterback position to take care of the football, how important it is to get good, solid completions early in the game. And then, you know, to me, psychologically and mentally tough-wise, what he did last game is exactly what you want out of a quarterback. You know, it's, it's the guy who's down four points with two minutes to go in the game, and he can drive you down the field and get you a touchdown to win it. Um, no matter how bad the game's been up to that point. And I think I think Zach has some of that factor to him where it doesn't really matter how much time is left on the clock. It doesn't really matter to him what's happened previously in the game or previously in the season. He has some he has some it factor to him that, that he can go make a play and get you down the field and get you in the situation that they were in last week at Tennessee. Fresno State ran for 206 yards against USC. Stanford uh, ran for 98 yards. Now, I know you got sack yardage mixed in there, so that's a factor, too. But you get the point. USC tightened up the act a lot week, too. Do you think BYU is going to be able to run the ball, or is Zach going to have to throw it because the run game gets stuffed? Um, I think this, this, is what's, this is what I'm still – I'm still struggling with right now with BYU. I I was super frustrated last game that Georgia State had run for 200-something yards against Tennessee, and within the first three series at BYU, they, they'd hardly run the ball at all. Like, it wasn't even – it didn't. It almost felt like it was an afterthought to run the ball. And I was really surprised about that because you would think with an offensive coordinator that's an offensive lineman – that, that they would really want to pound the rock. And they, and they did later in the game, and they did in the overtime, and that's kind of what ended up winning the game for them. So I'm confused as to what they think their identity is right now because I think all of us look at it. I think BYU fan looks at it. I think you and me and PK, we all we all look at it and go, oh, if you just run the ball with Tyson Williams, like it's going to set up a lot of things for you. But I don't feel like that was the game plan at all when they were – when they were coming into the Tennessee game. So it's kind of dependent on the way the coaches decide they're going to attack. Um, if they come out and they say, look, we're going to run the ball. We're going to set up, we're going to set up the pass this week. And they're able to establish some sort of running game early in the game. I think that'll bode well, but my gut feeling tells me that they're going to come out. They're going to try and throw it around and they're going to try and, and, and that this is Zach Wilson's team and that that's their identity. And so, if they do only rush for 100 yards, it's going to be a long day. If they can rush for 150, they can rush for 150 yards. It's going to be a really close game, and they're going to have a chance to win it. Riley, we appreciate it. Thanks for uh, joining us here for a few minutes, and we will talk to you again next week. Talk to you soon, guys. Thank you. Love being on your show.